I want to preface this episode with some information that will make it more useful to listeners who are not my children. The reason behind this entire episode is me talking to my children about patterns that my wife and I repeated as adults that were passed on to us from our families. Now, we can have patterns that serve us, and we can have patterns that don't serve us. In this particular episode, we're talking about a pattern that was really quite destructive. And when you listen to this, since as humans, we tend to be attracted to things that are familiar to us, don't necessarily think of if this happens in your family or if this doesn't happen in your family, but think about what your family's patterns are and how they apply to either benefit you and how they don't benefit you. And then think about how that applies to your children. What patterns do you want your kids to carry on? And what patterns do you think might be detrimental if they did carry on? Thinking about it like that, I think is going to add value to the audience that I realize that there's a lot of people listening to this now that are not my kids. The whole purpose behind this podcast is I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old And I want them to understand how they were parented so that when they get to be an adult, they don't have to wonder why certain decisions were made for them when they were growing up. Something that I had to go back and my wife had to go back and really understand why certain decisions were made for us, why certain information was kept from us, et cetera, et cetera. So today's recording is about patterns that we see our parents repeat and how we bring that forth into our own relationships today. I think that this is something that's really important for my kids to understand because only recently have I identified this pattern in something that my wife and I do. And I think that if we don't point it out to my children, then they have a very high likelihood of repeating it as well. So to give you an understanding, and this is a conversation that I have had with both my mother and my father. But for at least 30 or 40 years, from the time my mom and dad got married until the time my dad's mother passed away, my dad has always been, we'll just say, the least favorite child or the quote-unquote black sheep of the family. Now, this was not because of any screw-up that he did. This was not because of anything that he failed to do. This was purely out of the birth order that he was born in. He had an older brother who was the firstborn son. He had a younger sister. And so he was the middle boy. And so I guess, from what I understand, culturally, that is not a favored position to be in. What this meant was that anything that he did was never as good as what his brother did. And so this created kind of a pattern in him of not trying to necessarily outdo his brother, but a pattern of frustration that I saw as a kid where my dad's brother would do something and he would be praised for it by my grandparents. And my dad would do something equivalent or much better, and my dad would be ignored for it. And 
what was very interesting to me was that my mother also felt that she was treated very poorly by his parents. And I can attest to this because I, one of the things that was very strange to me was that the grandchildren, meaning my generation, was not treated any differently by the, the grandparents. We were, we were just kind of like a, a, a litter of puppies, all of the various grandchildren. We were not differentiated at all. We were just like a, a litter, let's just say. And, but what was interesting was I was able to observe for, from the time I can remember, you know, it's like a, a little three-year-old, up until I, you know, kind of stopped going over there because I was an adult, an adult and I had moved away. I observed my grandparents treat my mother and father differently from pretty much everyone else. And when I say differently, I mean not as not as nicely. That was not something that I registered at the time because it was just normal. I didn't think that that was weird. Fast forward to my grandmother passed away, I think, almost, almost 10 years ago at this point. The night that my grandmother passed away, my grandfather, my dad's father, brought the three children, his three children, to their house. They had a meal, and he gave each of them some money that he had been putting aside. Now, that was, I guess, part of what that generation would do. They hide money in various places around the house as opposed to using banks. And not that they didn't use banks, but th- there, was, there was always money around somewhere hidden. And what was interesting was this had never happened before. So what was very clear to me and has become extremely clear since my grandmother's passing was for whatever reason, she was creating this paradigm that my grandfather, A, was not comfortable addressing, and B, was perhaps, I don't know if he was not competent to address it, if he was scared to address it, whatever. The bottom line is he did not address it. Normally, they would only get together on Christmas and maybe for somebody's birthday. As soon as she passes away, all three siblings are together, eating dinner with my grandfather. My grandfather passed away, I think, two years ago. Every week, they would get together, I think on like a Tuesday night or something, for dinner. All three siblings, my father, his sister, and his brother, would get together with their father for seven years until he passed. But what I found as I looked more observing my mother and father's relationship. My mother, for decades, tried very hard to win the approval of my father's parents. My mother didn't realize, and I also don't think that my father realized, that it was my grandmother, not my grandfather. If you had asked me at the time, I would have told you I don't know. I I just would have said, well, I, I think that maybe both of them don't particularly care for my mother and father. But it was like turning on a light switch. To give a great reference for this, and this is something that my son will appreciate, especially because we've been watching the Lord of the Rings series, where 
King Theoden is old and decrepit because he is being poisoned by his trusted advisor, Wormtongue. And he is gray and he is weak and he has the clouded eyes. And then Gandalf goes and breaks that curse, banishes his advisor, Wormtongue, reveals that the advisor was not really helpful and was actually hurting him. And once that curse is broken, all of his vitality returns, all of his former personality returns. And it was like that. It was like flipping a switch. That's how quickly it happened that my grandfather brought all of his children um, to him. Now, as I said before, I don't know if it was that my grandfather didn't know what to do was afraid to address it with his wife or whatnot. But this went on for decades until that moment of her passing. Now, the reason that this is important is because my mother married my father. She did not potentially have the skill to recognize this was going on when they got married. Because quite frankly, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of cryptic. It's kind of hard to figure out unless you know what to look for. So my mother thought that she could, by improving herself, improving our family, that she could win the favor of my father's parents. But what she did not realize, and what no one realized at the time, was that no matter what she did, she was in a disfavored position. She could have won a gold medal at the Olympics and the Nobel Prize in the same year, and it would not have mattered because she was married to my father, who was in a disfavored position with his mother, for whatever reason. Now, if you don't know that, then you try to please somebody else, or you try to change something that you have no control over. So it literally did not matter what my mother did how she improved, how she served our family because she happened to be married to my father and he was in a disfavored position. So she did this for decades and decades and I don't know if any of us would have figured it out before her passing, my grandmother's passing. It's interesting to look back on this with hindsight and say, oh, well, that's pretty obvious to identify. And when I recently talked to my dad about this, I realized that I was actually repeating this with my wife. I had actually also married someone who was in the disfavored position with her father. And I didn't realize it was the father until, I don't know, a little while ago. I thought it was both parents, but we actually came to realize that it was only one parent. The other parent actually enjoys my company quite a bit. But once again, it's not about me. I married my wife. My wife has always been an overachiever, has always been very easy and very convenient, very eager to please her parents. Her sister, on the other hand, has always been challenging, has always needed uh, help and has has been has has had many struggles of her own, especially regarding a lot of the choices that 
she has made. A lot of the choices that she's made have resulted in in struggles and troubles for her. And I, I'm happy that she is overcoming those troubles right now. But the bottom line is that my wife is in and has been in a disfavored position. So no matter what she does, it will not get acknowledgement from her father. On the other hand, if her, if her sister does something very straightforward, a very small accomplishment, it merits a celebration. It merits accolade. It merits re- reward. So one thing that I've noticed is that there are certain aspects about family life where, especially when people don't focus on growth, they don't focus on understanding that they can improve themselves, that they can grow, that they can change, where they're in a very fixed mindset on this is how things are. And I I find that that comes along with a lot of insecurity as well. But they tend to cast family members in roles. And what do I mean by this? Well, I have heard them talk about various relatives and they always talk about them as though they are being portrayed as some role on a soap opera. They're typecast in certain in a certain way, meaning that this one particular relative is always a screw up. Even if that's not necessarily the case, even if you were to look at this person's objective reality from outside and say, hmm, well, that's interesting. They have a law degree. They have these advanced credentials. They've been elected to public office. Um, They're just not married. Like, contrast that with somebody else who's been arrested, who's been a convicted felon, who's run into all of these problems. And looking at this objectively, that person is, is held up. It, it, to the light to say, wow, well, you know, they're, they're working really hard. Yet this other person who's done all these great things, or at least not completely screwed up, is cast in a role where he is a screw up. Why is this important? This is especially important for my children. Well, I unwittingly accepted the role in this family as a screw up husband. Now, that is very, very far from the truth. That is extremely far from the truth, not only in terms of my career success, the change that I've been able to bring about in, in our family, my parenting style. All, like, anyone from outside of this family would objectively look at me and say, this guy's all right. Yet, in their family, I have to be cast as negative. How does this show up in my life with my wife? Well, my wife knows that the brighter my light shines, the brighter our family's light shines, the better we do, the more it creates a dissonance between what her father has cast us as, what her family has cast us as. So if we're supposed to be screw-ups, but we're actually doing all right, doing almost, I would say, fairly exceptional, that creates a dissonance. And so my wife experiences that dissonance because I will present myself to her and and, and offer to help and, and be extremely helpful and generous. 
But subconsciously, she has the expectation that I'm not supposed to be that way. She has the expectation that she will get attention from her father if I'm a screw up and she will get ignored if I'm helpful. So the, the kinder I am to her, the more generous I am with her, the more useful as a husband and as a, as a father to our, our children I am to her, the more of a distance it creates between her and her father. So we had a conversation this New Year's about what we want this next decade to bring. And we had sort of the revelation of this is not how we want to live the rest of our life. We don't want to live the rest of our life in pursuit of something that is free for someone else to give us. It would cost her father nothing to take an interest in her. Yet, he withholds it as though it is going to cost him his last breath. From that perspective, we both realize that, hey, you know what? We can't chase something that someone doesn't want to give. If that messes up his worldview, I'm not, I'm not, I can't make anybody else change. And this was really frustrating to my wife because, as she has said many times in the past, I feel like I'm in the middle. And I have... I have some fairly strong arguments against that because when a couple decides to get married, they are making a commitment to each other for the future in the children and in the marriage, in the marriage that they have committed to and in any children that are the result of that marriage. They're saying with that commitment that the marriage represents the future. The families that they are coming from, in essence, represent the past. Not that they have to be cut off, but that there's really not a choice of being in the middle. Because the, the, the families that they're leaving behind are the past. The marriage is what the commitment is to. And how, I, how my wife and I discussed this was realizing that there was actually no middle. It was a false dichotomy. The reason it's a false dichotomy is my wife challenged me and she said, okay, well, how, would, how could your father have handled this? How could he have handled that? And I said, well, let me think about that. And it took me only a second to come up with, of course, a second in conversation time, but a lifetime in experiencing it. My wife, my, my, my father became frustrated with my mother because my mother did not like being treated poorly. And my mother would tell my father exactly that. She said, I don't like how I'm treated. I don't like the, negati the negativity. I don't like being belittled, et cetera, et cetera. The challenge was that my father never realized, and my mother also never realized, that there was nothing she could have done about that. My father, all, what my father needed to do was say this or something like this to my mother. Listen, I realize that you are being treated like this because you chose to marry me. It is, I don't know 
if I have the skill or the ability or the knowledge to handle this with my mother. But what I can promise to you is that I am not going to get upset with you over the fact that my mother is not kind to you and that that upsets you. I will never rebuke you for the fact that you are upset with my mother. And I think that that would have solved a lot. I think that that would have solved a lot because my mother would rightfully become upset when my father would become indignant with her over the fact that he basically didn't know what to do. And now he feels like he's being pinched from both ends. He could have cut off one of those fuses, so to speak, by simply telling my mother that, hey, you know what? You can complain all you want to me and I will be a, a sympathetic ear to what you have to say. I don't know how to solve it. I don't know if I can solve it. I am dedicated to solving it, but I want you to know that I'm never going to blame you for it. I'm never going to get frustrated over the fact that you're bringing your hurt to me because it's not your fault that you're, be it, it is not by virtue of anything you have done other than marry me that you are experiencing this unfair treatment. And that I think is something that, you know, my wife hearing that, and this is important for my kids now too, because this is something I do not want them to repeat this pattern on either end of the pattern. But that's what, that's what, what my wife and I need. And we've discussed this about moving forward and saying, hey, you know what? We can't change your father. We can't change anybody else. It's not up to us. But we can, we can decide how we're going to respond to that. And we can decide how we're going to let our family be impacted by that. From my perspective, personally, if I knew that I was purposely causing discord in my children's lives with something that I could change very easily, and I knew that I wasn't changing that, that would be that would be hard for me to deal with. But hey, you know what? I understand some other people don't put the work in. I understand some other people maybe are not so secure that they're able to change, that they're able to assess what's going on in their lives and how their actions are impacting others. And that's that's the big thing. I think realizing that my wife and I have 100% control over what goes on here. We have, we can't change anybody else, as I said before, but realizing that we are not going to allow other entities to manipulate us is, I think, the biggest revelation of this decade and hopefully for the rest of our lives. So it's again, this episode mainly for my kids, but I hope you got something out of it as well. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, please let me know and we'll see you in the next show.